In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet celebrating its one-year anniversary today. I am your host, Detective Mark Smarks, and I'm joined by my partner in crime (laughs) fighting here from the very first episode, District Attorney Vincent K. Fabe. What's going on, man? How are you? I am great. However, I am excited to do a review for a show. I know nothing about, so I actually get to play this as the blind man because I was on vacation. So, um, and it was a great vacation, but uh, I'm actually about three miles from being home finally after four days in Colorado. Oh boy, did you miss a show? You will be definitely surprised by some things. Um, That's why I'm excited to play the blind man. We will get to spill all the tea on controversy. So, <laughs> also joining us, not here from the very first show, but he joined us at some point and kind of stuck around. Uh, RCMP JLB, what's going on, man? I stuck around. Here I am, crystal clear with perfect sound. It's your boy, Justin JLB. I'm good, guys. I'm good. It is uh, Labor Day, and this means nothing to me because I work tomorrow. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it, bud. Still doing the practicing, the social distancing. Still wearing the mask when I go outside, so I hardly go outside, so I don't have to wear the mask. And uh, washing those hands as well as my body, because cleanliness is godliness. He's kind of like the godliness. cat that came back. Yeah, it's not next to. It is one hundred percent. It's not next to. It is. Damn it! I'm changing the <laughs> saying. He's kind of like the cat that came back. We just kept trying to get rid of him, and he's still here. Meow. Uh, before we get into the aew all-out review i'd like to remind everyone that raw and order wbu is part of the tatnus co podcast network so once you're done listening to this and of course liking sharing and subscribing head on over to tatnusco.com and check out the other shows on the network um this is going to make three weeks in a row that we're not doing a traditional wbu because we've got a pay-per-view to review (laughs) and and it's not even doing a, a, a Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor pay-per-views or anything like that. This is all just the big two. Um, yep. I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to next week when we can get back to like regular WBU stuff for you mean I don't know, crimes. <laughs> yeah, crimes uh, for what two weeks before we have to get back to the pay-per-view stuff again. Um, But we will go ahead and get straight into AEW All Out. So um, I'm going to just kind of skip through the buy-in, mostly because it was kind of a, eh. Um, Here's the deal. The buy-in was originally advertised to be the Britt Baker versus Big Swole uh, tooth and nails match, whatever it was called. Um, and then at the last minute, they decided to move that to the main card and replace it with Joey Janela versus Serpentico. And I don't have any problem with Joey Janela versus Serpentico. I mean, uh, they're both excellent wrestlers. I enjoy Joey Janela a heck of a lot. Uh, Serpentico apparently has teamed up with um, Luther, I guess. Sort of mm. makes sense. Um, 
I think it was mostly just so uh, Joey Janela had a reason for Sonny Kiss to come out and mess things up. Not mess things up, but, you know, defend him. Uh, in the end, Joey Janela won. Decent yep. match, but nothing special. Um, it was, this is one match um, that deserved to be on a pre uh, Whole yeah. Were Bard still then in this? Yes, this was just a regular old match. Nothing uh, special about it. Uh, but, you know, I like to say, I like to see Joey Janela win. Um, and uh, Serpentico, as far as I know, is not officially signed to AEW right now. He's just a fill-in during the COVID thing. So, I mean, Janela winning makes a lot of sense there. I really wish they'd just kind of go all in on the Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss team and just put them in the tag division and have them go out and, and have fun there. But uh, Also on the buy-in, we had Private Party versus the Beaver Boys, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. And yes, I know, AEW, we don't call them the Beaver Boys because they're part of the Dark Order, but I can't stop myself. Um, I enjoyed this match. I like John Reynolds, or John Silver and Alex Reynolds overall. If you watch... Uh, being the elite, they are some of the highlights of being the elite right now. Um, they are so much fun on that. And uh, every week on it, Brody Lee um, cusses down John Silver and hits him over the head with papers and stuff. I don't know. It's funny stuff. But they even do it like uh, last week on being the elite. Uh, Brody Lee was angry at John Silver, so he gave evil uno the papers and said hit him on the face and uh john silver uh no sold the hit on the face and said i don't sell for you i'm only gonna sell for brody lee (laughs) but uh but this was just an okay match i mean it was basically what we expected uh uh private party hit the gin and juice and won in the end i uh it is what it is you know it was a buy-in match yeah Getting to the main card, the tooth and nail match, Big Swole versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Um, this was a cinematic match filmed, uh, air quotes, at Dr. Britt Baker's office. Um, I am 100% sure it was just like a bunch of office rooms that they had that they could, you know, bring in a dentist chair and some stuff for the walls and make it look like a dentist office. Uh, no way they actually filmed first of all her dentist office is up in pittsburgh and there's no way they had big swole drive all the way up to pittsburgh just to film a match that they were going to put on a pay-per-view where everything else is taking place in florida right no of course not yeah um it's decent i mean you know like i it felt rushed um a lot of the card honestly in my opinion felt rushed but it was uh, this was all right. Apparently, though, the reason why I found there was nothing like it was decent, but apparently she's still injured, huh? Um, she's supposedly. Uh, here's the deal. This was her first match back, and so they at least played it off like she demanded it be this tooth and nail match because she knew she wasn't 100% ready for a for a full match. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It's it's one of those weird things. The pay-per-view was actually a long pay-per-view. I mean, it went until, what was it, about 10.30 our time, which would have been about 11.30 your time. Oh, yeah, I it think. was long. So it was but... a long, nice long pay-per-view. But I agree, a lot of the matches did feel a little rushed. Uh, so maybe they could have had the pay-per-view about the same length and cut one match and and been fine. Um possibly uh we'll we'll get to one place they could have cut a lot of time 
um, yeah. in a bit. Uh, but this match here, I there were some nice things I enjoyed about it and some just kind of weird things. Uh, there was the scene uh, towards the end where Britt Baker had Big Swole on the air quotes dentist chair, and then she pulled out a regular drill and tried to drill Big Swole's face. And I'm like, what? What is a? Uh, what do you have a drill? A real drill in a dentist office? You know that made no sense uh, to me. Because fans don't know, bud. That's why. Yeah, uh, this, enough fans I think did know because it made no sense. But then, fans this, don't go to the dentist. Yeah, uh, nope. I, I guess maybe you could make that point. I'm not going to make that point, but you could. Um, but there was kind of an interesting ending, to, uh, which which I guess made a lot of sense. Because it was a false count anywhere. I mean, cinematic match, a hardcore match, right? Uh, but at one point, I'm going to give Britt Baker a ton of credit. Because um, I'm not 100% sure that AEW has the, the technical skill or the budget to have uh made this entirely a work but Britt baker pulls out a syringe of they said novocaine uh and she's gonna try to stab swole with the novocaine and number and uh big swole reverses it and forces the needle into Britt baker's own leg uh which then numbed Britt baker's leg up um but here's what i i'm i'm relatively certain that that needle was an actual needle uh, into her leg into like her legit? leg i'm i'm relatively certain it did not look like a gimmicked needle at all and i'm not entirely sure AEW has the talent or skill at the moment to gimmick a needle good enough for this now i'm 100 certain it wasn't novocaine you know what I mean? um it could have been just saline saline yeah you know uh and just fine but i'm pretty certain that she stabbed herself in the leg um so uh and then at the end big swole won by uh grabbing the um mouth uh or the face mask of of uh laughing gas sleeping gas whatever nitrous oxide and put it over Britt baker's face until Britt baker passed out and she got the pin uh so big swole wins and defeated Britt baker uh, by pass out by pass out and it was really kind of fun, but it was messy. Um, uh, I mean, it, it is what it is. I, you know, going into this, I was a little angry that they decided to move it off of the uh, buy-in because the buy-in was the thing that was going to be free on YouTube uh, to try to convince people to tune in. But after watching it, I'm actually glad they put the other matches on the buy-in because I don't think this would have convinced too many people to tune in to buy a $50 pay-per-view just because they saw this. So um, moving on Jurassic express versus the young bucks. Uh, this match was set up on dynamite earlier in the week when uh, Jurassic express and the young bucks teamed up against, um, I can't even remember who the other team was anyways. Um, and they won a chance to fight against each other for, I don't know, reasons. Um, in the end, uh, this one, Jungle Boy got hit by the BTE trigger. Matt and Nick got the pin, uh, but they got it through some sort of heel tactics for the most of the match. They definitely were more aggressive and less 
you know, showboaty, fun California boys in this match. Yeah, it feels like they're starting to turn heel, but they're not, because we'll see maybe later with Omega. So, uh, prior to All Out, I uh, made a TikTok where I said, um, my prediction was that um, with all the hinting they've been doing over the past few weeks of Hangman turning heel on the Young Bucks um, and on the Elite, that I was certain that that was a red herring and the person, the people who were going to turn heel was going to be at the very least Kenny Omega, but I was thinking the entire Elite and we would have a heel Elite versus a super babyface Hangman Page. And I'm still on that. Uh, We'll get to the Kenny Omega Hangman Page match later. Um, But this looked like they were at least teasing heel Young Bucks again. Um, and I'm I'm down with that. I'm kind of I'm kind of to the point where I'm done with babyface Young Bucks. In fact, I'm done with babyface the elite just in general. Um, I, I guess Cody could come back and be total babyface, but I don't think that's happening. Um, I think that the storyline works better if they basically come off as we were supposed to be the golden children of this whole thing, and here we are, not tag champions not heavyweight champion, not TNT champion. We're we're going to break some shit now. Um, I like it. Uh, but so this was, uh, you know, a good match all in all. I enjoyed it. Um, it was a little bit less uh, spot monkey than Young Bucks have been for a while. But um, I'm still sure Jim Cornette watched it and said, Ugh. Um, in that exact tone? Well, he he might have said, because uh, I'm having an aneurysm, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyways, moving on, next match was the Casino Battle Royal, which it was nice to see this not on the buy-in, because so often these are just like the buy-in matches, where they're like, let's throw a bunch of people into the ring and have fun or whatever. At um, the same time, I feel like, they kind of just kept it always at the, because they kept it at the buy in the last tw- two times they did it, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like they could have, should have kept that going because that is a really nice matchup to showcase a lot of your talent and to really convince people to buy in, if you will. <laughs> I see what you did there. No, I, I get what you're saying. My problem is these casino battle royals are never enough of a technical spectacle to. I think convince the lapsed fan. Yeah, they show off a bunch of people, but it's so clusterfucky that it's hard to follow, and that's why. Um, the biggest problem I had with the Casino Battle Royal this uh, year, uh, this time I should say, was there was basically only one surprise entrant. Yep. Um, but that so, was a semi decent surprise, but still yeah. like. I wanted someone bigger. Yeah. So the first group, because remember, uh, they enter in groups of five, and then after all the all twenty are in, the final person enters uh, at the end. So the first group was Trent, Ray Phoenix, Christopher Daniels, Jake Hager, and the Blade. Right. And so, hey, they they battle and they fight, and then group two comes in, Big Will Hobbs, who's I don't know if he's officially signed to AEW. He's been filling in on AEW Dark a lot. Um, 
He's big. He, I don't know. I could see him coming onto the main roster. So, you know, yeah, like him. Will Hobbs, Santana Ortiz, uh, Chuck Taylor, and Frankie Kazarian. Uh, so he had two of SCU in at this point. Um, then group three, Billy Gunn, Penta L zero M, Ricky Starks, and Brian Cage all came in together, uh, which allowed yeah Ricky Starks and Brian Cage to try to double team people and and uh, beat people up. Um, and then uh, Darby Allen came in. Uh, and then we had group four, Sean Spears, Eddie Kingston, The Butcher, Sonny Kiss, and Lance Archer. So, like, so far in all of those groups, there wasn't anyone. Like, Will Hobbs is the only, air quotes, surprise. And he's more just a, hey, we need another body in there sort of a thing. Um, and then the Joker, the uh, 21st man to enter, Matt Seidel. A.K.A. Evan Bourne from mm-hmm. WWE. So, um, now... is, by the way, his mm-hmm. first ever move in AEW and makes himself an instant viral for yes. all of time. Yes, for all of time and not for uh, good. Uh, Matt Seidel comes in and attempts to hit a shooting star press, a move that he has hit a literally million times. Literally, um, we counted. Yes, I, I went back and looked over. No, here's the deal. is It was banned in WWE for years uh, by Vince McMahon. And uh, Matt Seidel, as Evan Bourne, wanted to do it. And the rule that that um, Vince McMahon said was, you have to be able to hit it, I think it was 20 times in a row without a single mess up uh, before I'll let you do it on air. And so Evan Bourne went out there and did 20 shooting star presses in a row without a mess up. This guy, that's that's his move. That's what he does and everything. But um, I don't know if the rope was a little slick uh, from the fact that there were 20 other sweaty men in the ring at the time. But he got up there, and when he was pushing off with his feet to do it, his right foot just slipped right off, and he kind of, I mean, effectively, he got choke slammed by nothing. Um, his head hit the turnbuckle on the way down. He just dropped straight to nothing. Um, but, uh, so that is a gift that's, that's going to live in infamy for quite a while. Um, in the end though, he was inconsequential to the winner of the match, uh, in the end, because it was, um, Lance Archer who beat, Kofi, uh, beat Kofi, Eddie Kingston, Mm. <laughs> I almost said go well, to Kingston. I mean, that's a that's a that's a funny little slip up. Yeah, that works. Yeah, but uh, beat uh, Eddie Kingston uh, threw him to the floor to win. So Lance Archer is the new, I guess, number one contender. It's not really the way they word it, but he has a match now for the championship. Whoever is the championship after the main event tonight. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, it's still going to be Moxley because well, golly, I'm gonna spoil that. You gotta ruin stuff, man. Yeah, that's what I do. I ruin stuff. I'm the ruiner. Um, uh, but I, but I'm not the deleter <laughs> because that's the next match, the Broken Rules match, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara, and this match was broken in many, many ways. So first of all, the uh. Uh, they really, they called it a broken rules match. It's just a false count anywhere anything goes match. That's really all it is, right? 
Um, but it starts off in the back. Uh, Matt Hardy's looking for Sammy Guevara and um, can't find him anywhere. And then all of a sudden from the football field, you hear uh, the golf cart come around and it's the tables are turned. Sammy Guevara's on the cart and he chases down Matt Hardy. Um, but Matt Hardy dodges it and Sammy Guevara smacks into a pile of random cardboard that's just sitting there. Does he go flying out the front of the golf cart? Because that'd be great. Um, no, I think he rolled out the side of it because it hit and then kind of spun to the side. Anyways, um, but so then uh, Guevara gets out and they start fighting in the concourse area. And then they come by a very, very conveniently placed merch table. Um, Where they sell masks. They, yeah, there were masks there. They said that these are masks that we sell to people if they don't remember to bring their mask. And then, oh, there's a couple T-shirts there and everything. But here's the, it was a merch table, but there were no workers at the merch table. And there was a very, very uh, convenient scissor lift right behind the merch table. Because, I don't know, that's where you store a scissors lift when you're done using it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and and here's where everything went to shit um, in a very legitimate version of that phrase. Uh, so Matt Hardy uh, puts Sammy Guevara on the scissor lift and then climbs up in there and they raise it up to, I don't know, some indeterminate height, probably higher than they meant to. Um, and uh, he's going to um, throw Sammy Guevara off it, but Sammy Guevara slips out of his hands. And then uh, tries to uh, goes to spear Matt Hardy out of the scissors lift down through the conveniently placed table. But it could have been because uh, the scissors lift was higher than uh, they meant to have it. It could have been that the tables weren't set up where they were supposed to properly. It could have been that they just pushed too hard or whatever. But they more or less missed the tables. Yeah. Like, Matt Hardy's lower back, like right about at his hip area, hit the edge of the table, and the rest of his body basically landed flat on the concrete, (laughs) uh, including his head ping-ponging off the concrete. Uh, And, oh, it it looked bad. You could just tell right away that Matt Hardy was out of it. Yeah. Aubrey Edwards. Yeah. Almost immediately threw up the X. Um, a doctor came over and started to check on uh, Matt Hardy. Sammy Guevara kind of stumbled around for a bit, you know, days because he also came down off of it or whatever. Uh, Ed, Bobby Edwards put up the X again. They you started to hear the bell ringing in the the thing, like they called the match. Matt Hardy gets up and he starts stumbling around. Um, he can't stand up. He can't see straight. He looks like he's trying to finish the match. Uh, Sammy is doing everything he can to even just hold Matt Hardy up. Um, and Matt Hardy's just falling over. And so the bell rings, like the match is over. They go to the announce table. The announce table starts like, I don't know, sort of talking about setting up the next match. Um, they show a replay again and again of all of that. And they say, well, I think they called the match or whatever. And then all of a sudden they restart the match. And yes, they re, this is the controversy I mentioned. They restart the match. Uh, 
and they rush through. Basically, absolutely nothing happens except the planned finish, uh, which involved Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy climbing up some scaffolding and then uh, Matt Hardy pushing Sammy Guevara off into a giant um, platform that was designed to, you know, catch his fall and make it look like he got thrown through pits of hell. I don't know. Um, And so Matt Hardy officially gets the win, which is what I think they felt they needed to do because Matt Hardy had apparently made the, uh, not apparently, but had made the statement on Dynamite that if he loses this match, he's gone from AEW. And so they had to have him win, I think they felt. But here's the deal. Everything that happened after Aubrey Edwards threw up the X shouldn't have happened. No. I don't I don't exactly. care. They said they said later that uh Matt Hardy passed concussion screening in the back and uh said he wanted to finish the match and uh the doctor like the doctor cleared him and he went back to finish the match. Um but since then, he spent uh, two nights in the hospital uh, getting screened and checked and all of that stuff. So he claims he didn't have a concussion. Tony Khan claims that there was no concussion. They kept him there for observation, but no signs of concussion. But uh, Matt Hardy's wife claims, oh, it was 100% a concussion. It was a 1,000% a concussion. And shame on everyone for allowing this match to continue. And in the end, uh, I think JLB sent me a text earlier and he's like, who do you think's lying? And I, I 100% believe both of them are probably lying. Tony Khan and Rebby. Um, here's what it comes down to. Rebby has been known to exaggerate things before. She's, right. she is extra. Um, she's the definition of extra in many ways, but, um, but at the same point, Tony Khan, I think, is downplaying the severity of the injury in every way that he can because he's trying to cover up for the fact that they made a huge fuck-up by having this match continue, period. They should have called it immediately, punted, and, I mean, this is wrestling. You can always write a solution to so-and-so said he'd leave the company for good, you know. Right. You could even have him, I don't know, leave the company for good. So he can take time to recover from concussion protocol. No, exactly. And then yeah. he comes back and, but you left the company for good. Ah, but Matt Hardy left the company for good, but I am broken or whatever. There's how many times did, did uh, Ric Flair lose a loser leaves the company match in his career? Oh, dozens. Dozens. And guess what? In a month or two, he was always back. Period. Yeah, this this is something they easily could have could have done, but this is going to be something that you know I don't care if he passed concussion protocol, I don't care if he said he wanted to go back after ca- passing concussion protocol. Um, he could just say I didn't lose. Yeah, that, that's the deal. They could have they could have called the match there and said there is no winner. This is a no contest, and then no one lost and no one won, and then they continue it at a later date. Whatever. Um, here ultimately is, is the thing here. Um, if you're in a football game and they suspect you, uh, had a concussion, it's not five minutes later, they clear you to enter the game again. It's like, if you're lucky, there have been times that they clear them later in the game, but you're still missing a half 
you know, you're still missing a lot of time to clear concussion protocol. Um, and most people don't clear it in game time. They end up missing a week or two. Um, and so the, the simple fact is the fact that they even put him through concussion protocol after that hit should have been enough for them to just punt and say, we'll finish this some other time. This can be now uh, our main event for Dynamite year. Or Dynamite, well, whatever. Did you, know? you say that Oh, that wasn't a, a cinematic match? No, it was not cinematic. It was, and that's the other thing. It's here, here's the deal. This was the you could also roll example. to cinematic. I mean, that that's maybe a suggestion for all of professional wrestling. Have a cinematic finish. Well, but when here, here when the you deal. know your script is a crazy thing, have a cinematic finish. You, you can say that, except the reason I know the reason they didn't do it is because there were live fans in the audience at. All out. Oh, it wasn't. It was ten percent capacity. They were socially distanced, but there were actually fans of the crowd. So they weren't. They didn't want to do a cinematic ending to a live match. But here's the thing: this could have been an entire cinematic match, right? It wasn't taking place in the ring. They could have filmed this at any time in advance, or I don't know. At the very least, rehearsed that fall. Maybe not done it on concrete. You know, yeah, have something there other than tables that. You could miss. Mm-hmm. Just there's a lot of things. There's a dozen things they could have done differently to have solved this problem. And they failed on every single one of them. And, you know, we've said that I'm the AEW mark in this group quite a few times. Um, and I am 100 percent calling. Marks, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm 100 percent calling uh, AEW out on this. None of this after. In fact, I don't think the first fall should have taken place. But after that fall, everything after it in this match should have been punted away for safety's sake. Just roll on, do another thing, which then would have saved us about 20 minutes, ah, 10 minutes or so um, at the end of it. And and everyone would have been happy with that. Yeah, straight up. Like, it just didn't need to be done. And, I, okay, he, and I'm sure Matt Hardy wanted to keep going on, and I'm sure the doctor checked on him. First of all, if you did like an eye test or something, I don't know how anyone would have passed that eye test because even as he threw Sami Zayn off, Matt Hardy still looked Sam, frazzled. He still Sam, looked like Sami Zayn. What did Sammy I say? Zane? You said Sami Zayn. Oh, Sammy so, uh, so I officially am now off the hook for my Kofi Kingston remark earlier. That that hook has been passed to JLB. Uh, I got you, buddy. I got Sami Zayn to AEW confirmed. I'm down. <laughs> Anyways, so that that's ultimately what it comes down to is if they're going to do these sorts of hardcore uh, moves, not in a ring that has at least some padding or not in a place that's been gimmicked so they can they can take this sort of a bump, then they need to set things up differently. Uh, you can get padding that's painted to look like concrete, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and then you, you can't set, get it, then make it. Then make it. Or make a platform. Put the tables on a platform that's made of wood that uh, if they miss the tables, then they land on at least something that's got some give to it, not hard concrete. Yes. But in the end, this, this, was, this was a botch uh, on AEW, and they should have punted right as soon as this happened and rolled on with the night, but they didn't. So um, for that alone, I have to give this total um, segment a 
down. In fact, I'm going to give this a brown down. Thank you, Simon Miller. Um, this was dumb. Moving on to something that was not a down, though. AEW Women's Championship match, Hikaru Shida versus Thunder Rosa. Of course, this was a talent trade, trade, talent loan from NWA, NWA Women's World Champion Thunder Rosa versus AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida. And I liked this match. I really liked it. I really hope Thunder Rosa's contract with uh, NWA is short so that she can eventually come to AEW. I want to see more of her. So this is this is the first one you've made it sound like it's a must I, watch for me. Yes, I guess this, I gotta rewatch it, man. Because uh, after watching it, I was just kind of like, yeah, okay, it was decent, you know. Um, but then the Twitter worlds and I guess everyone else was really into it, and I think this is the first time they've really talked about a women's match on AEW um, in this type of way. So I guess I gotta rewatch it. Maybe I missed something there. Yeah, this was uh, about my. Maybe you're sexist. My, yeah, may, maybe you're just sexist. I um, love Sasha Banks. I cannot be sexist. You can 100% be sexist and love Sasha Banks, just like you can 100% <laughs> be racist and have a black friend. Um, <laughs> but but that's beside the point. There, um, <laughs> the biggest problem that I had with this match has nothing to do with the match, but it had to do with fucking Jim Ross on commentary. Yeah. Um, Jim Ross start. I'm over it. Jim Ross on commentary at one point uh, started saying, "This is probably the best women's match we've had in AEW because sometimes they're not good or something like that." And I'm just like, "Just shut your pie hole, Jim Ross. Don't don't point out uh, you're obviously not a fan of the women's division in AEW. I get it, right? So shut it, right." Don't ever say, "Well, this might be the first match in AEW that I've been impressed with." Or what? Just stop it. Now, he had another match. Thunder Rosa match? Uh, during this Thunder Rosa match, yeah. Oh, snap. Okay, I didn't... Okay. Jesus. He, now, here's the deal. is He put his foot in his uh, mouth later on. I think it was on this, or was it on Dynamite? I can't remember. Um, at one point, uh, Anna J is out there, and he made a um, wardrobe malfunction joke. Oh, yeah, um, that was... Um, that was on the pay-per-view. Well, on the paper, yeah. Where uh, he said, was that, did we just get a wardrobe malfunction, or was that just wishful thinking on my part? Oh, Jim, Jim, Jim. I you, you are a legend in pro wrestling, but that is that is a joke that, first of all, wardrobe malfunction was only funny as a joke within the first, like, six months after the infamous wardrobe malfunction at the Super Bowl. And then it stopped being a funny joke in any way, shape, or form, um, number one. And that's mostly because we were just making fun of the fact that they claimed it was a wardrobe malfunction when it was very obviously planned for the Super Bowl, and they just were surprised with the number of uh, the bad response to it. But Mm -hmm. that's beside the point. Uh, But number two, like, here's what I have to say to Jim Rock. And any, any commentator in wrestling, right? If you're thinking of making some sort of comment about a women's wrestling match, stop for a second and ask yourself, would I make if this? If it was my daughter. Not even that. Not even that. 
Because here's the deal is uh, some people don't have daughters, and so they can't empathize there. The real question is, would I make this same comment about a men's wrestling match? It's a really good statement. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really all. Like, if if Jim Ross can honestly say to himself that he'd make that same joke about a men's wrestling match, but I don't think he can honestly say that. I don't <laughs> think any commentator can honestly say that. Right. Uh, and so don't say it. If it's not a comment that you would make about a men's wrestling match, um, if the only reason it makes sense as a comment in any way, shape, or form is because it's playing off the person's race, uh, gender, religion, any of those things, right? Guess what? Don't say the joke, right? Mm. That's really what it comes down to. Um and 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 this is a perfect example of it. Just don't say the joke, man. Uh, so the Twitter sphere is all angry at him for that joke, um, and rightfully so. But that meant it overshadowed the fact that he blatantly, in the middle of this, downgraded the entire women's division of AEW. Uh, stop. You know, here's the time that maybe we put Jim Ross out to pasture. And uh, we let let the younger people take over. And this is kind of the reason, though, why Vince took him off commentary, too, though. You know what I mean? Um, we were so excited to have him back and so on. But I think that's generally why we saw. It's just kind of like why we don't like to see Lawler on commentary. We think his comments are stupid and so on. Although, yes, Jim Ross has been a great commentator for so many years. He kind of lost his way, and WWE doesn't want to take that risk now of when he was there and so on. So now we're just kind of seeing the outburst that Jim Ross does do uh, that can affect a company, you know, and I think ultimately that's why we do see that Vince had to let him go back then as well, just to see, kind of put into perspective. You you say that, but he keeps Jerry Lawler around. So or he's not on the, okay, but he's on the, it's true. He's still on the, what do you, what, thingamajig there he's still on the um the put after show you say that but peyton royce is getting a singles push (laughs) does that have to do with anything peyton royce is not individually exceptional like the the iconics are iconic because together but he chose peyton royce because gosh she's got a look um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna fight a little on that because i do think peyton royce is uh of, of actually very, very I'm not well saying she's not. I'm saying um, the Iconics are iconic because they're so good together. I th- I think the Iconics got over because of their joking together. But I think in ring, I think, and I might catch a little heat for this, but I think Billy Kay held Peyton Royce back in ring. Um, and and so I, I can understand if you were Vince McMahon looking at those two uh, saying, hey, why isn't that person a bigger star? Oh, because they're with uh, the other person, and the other person's holding them back. Um, but anyways, that's, that's beside the you point. You and Superman are both wrong about that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> but because I mean, here's the deal is, you know, I've, I've watched training videos with Peyton Royce because, of course, she's engaged to, well, married to Sean Spears. Um, and, uh, so often at the wrestling training facility that Sean Spears and, um, uh, Tyler Breeze own, 
flatbacks down in Florida. And so I've watched video where she's training wrestling. Um, and I think we will see over the next few weeks that Peyton Royce um, is definitely capable of being a single star. Uh, the downside to this is that Billy Kay is going to get lost in the shuffle because Billy Kay is not destined for single stardom. Uh, and that the problem is you can do a push for a team without ruining or yeah. an individual without ruining the team. Yeah. You don't have to break up the team to do this. I'll agree with you there. The team could have stayed together and Peyton Royce gone on for a singles run. You know, um, I get that. I'll this, agree with you there. This but. comes down to, Oh gosh, so pretty. And, and again, he's right. She's a very pretty girl, but that's the, there's no reason to break up that team like that, especially in a very, and again, we're talking an AEW review, so we shouldn't spend much, much time on this, but, um, no reason to break up that team in, in the women's tag division that so desperately needs, I don't know, a women's tag team that just stays together, just stays together. Brett's first world championship WWE Championship. He was still with Anvil. He was still with Heart Foundation. Didn't have to be ruined. Yeah, no, I agree. They they didn't need to break up the team, and so I'll be one hundred percent on your side on that part of the the statement. Um, but I this think is Vince went. Oh, pretty. But <laughs> um, but anyways, moving on in the AEW review. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so we move on that particular to particular one gets me fired up because it just pisses me off. We move on to a four on four match, the dark order, which of course is evil. Uno, uh, Stu Grayson, Mr. Brody Lee and Colt Cabana, or is he Colt Cabana? Hmm. Um, versus the natural nightmares, which is, uh, Dustin Rhodes and um, QT Marshall plus Matt Cardona and Scorpio Sky. So this is Matt Cardona's second official match in AEW um, and they're playing him off as, you know, Cody Rhodes' bestest, bestest friend from all old times. Um, and so a four-on-four match, eight-man tag. Um, kind of disappointing overall to be perfectly honest. The amount of talent in the ring I don't think this match lived up to the amount of talent overall, um, but I think there are a couple things that play into it. Uh, first of all, I think Matt Cardona, as good of a wrestler and skilled as he is, um, I think he's going to take some time to get out of the WWE mentality because uh, WWE definitely has a match structure. Um, and a way to wrestle that is different than independent wrestling and and AEW wrestling. And so every time I see Matt Cardona in the ring in AEW, he doesn't look like he fits in. Uh, And that's that's not like a look, that's a style. His style is very still WWE. Um, But I mean, keep in mind, this is a guy who spent very, very, very little time not in WWE, you know? He started off and he was on the indies for a very short period of time before he got signed to FCW. Uh, and from that point on until now, he's been in WWE program, you know? So, true. true. Um, but in the that, end... That would also be the case on Impact with Heath. Uh, it, it could be, except um, 
Heath so far has been showing that he's been able to break out of the WWE mentality. Um, and I don't know what the difference is, whether it's just entirely mental um, or whether it's Heath went off and trained more with independent stars and Matt Cardona didn't or what. I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. But somehow or another, Heath looks more like he belongs than Matt Cardona currently does. So um, in the end, though, uh, the good guys get the win uh, after a uh, dodged moonsault rolling up Colt Cabana for the win, which then led to uh, Mr. Brody Lee just going absolutely apeshit on Colt Cabana and yelling at him and chasing him out of the ring. Um, so have we reached the end of Colt Cabana? And we're going back to Colt Cabana? Maybe. Colt I mean, Cabana? possibly. Colt to Colt to Colt to Colt again. That's a kind of a tongue twister to try to say. Colt to Colt to Colt. Imagine if Cultaholic was covering Colt to Colt to Colt. Colt to Colt to Colt to Cultaholic to Colt. Anyways, we would like to hear out. this cultaholic other fellow podcasters in this world who we really enjoy your name working with this particular scenario cover this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so it's going to be interesting. I, I would imagine we're going to now see a program of Colt Cabana versus Brody Lee. Um, but I'm not sure if that's the way I want to see it go, but I just imagine that's going to be the way it goes. Anyway. I mean, that's just what makes sense now, but I don't know. I was kind of looking forward to at least another month or two of Colt Cabana being part of the Dark Order, but being, like, kind of insulated and not shown the evil side of the Dark Order. So he thinks it's all puppies and rainbows, um, yet he's actually on the bad guy's side, because that's kind of what they were playing with earlier. Anyway. Moving on, the AEW Tag Team Championship match. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, who have been tag team champions for like six months now and still didn't come up with a tag name. Um, right. Yeah, straight up. Versus FTR. Because Iconics was already taken, but now it's not, so. Uh, all they'd have to do is put like another eye on it and it'd be fine. It'd be Iconic. I would I would pay money to see Kenny Omega and Hangman um, uh, Page come out and go iconic. <laughs> <laughs> so just so, for entertainment reasons. Just uh, seeing as there's one person on this who has not seen this match yet, um, if you were to be predicting this match, who would you say is going to win? So who did they go up against again? FTR. Oh, FTR should win. Ding ding ding! Winner winner chicken dinner. And here's why. It's the same thing I've said about a, a tag team that's not in AEW we've talked about on this particular show numerous times. Um, in fact, just moments ago. Because I believe that you have to have tag teams that function exceptionally well as tag teams, regardless of if they're facing Sting and Flair combined. Um, you, you just you have to give yourself that ability to have that moment where you go, Wow, how cool was that? This team is better together than those two individuals. Well, so yes, I think that's you, the right move. You you are probably getting that in WWE now, since I know you didn't watch Raw tonight because uh, we're of course driving. But um, they had a whole program where um, Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler, the new Raw 
are the new women's tag team champions, uh, faced off in individual matches, handicap matches versus the Riot Squad. And individually, Shayna Baszler and sort of Nia Jax both, I guess, lost. We didn't really see the pin for Nia Jax, so we don't know for certain on that. But uh, individually lost to the Riot Squad. So they're kind of telling the storyline of these people are you know, not capable of doing it as individuals, but as a team they work. Anyway, so we could go uh, bit by bit through, through this match, but in the end, um, what happened was uh, uh, the Buckshot Lariat got evaded, Omega, um, instead of they were they were trying to do the uh, whatever they call it, where they do the V trigger and the buckshot at the same time, um, uh, and uh, Dash Wheeler evaded the lariat, and so Omega V triggered Page in the face, and uh, then there were two spike pile drivers, and FTR got the win, and afterwards uh, FTR fled fled the ring. And Kenny Omega got out and he got a got a folding table, like one of those little um, TV tables that they had by the side of the ring. And he brought it in there and he looked like he was going to absolutely lay out Paige with it. Um, and then he threw it away and decided he's not going to lay out Paige. But Hangman Page stumbled over to him and and started to like reach out to him to try to try to grab him to lean on him. And... Kenny Omega just kind of stood there and let Hangman Page just face flop to the ground. And then storms out of the ring, straight out of the arena, uh, meets up with the Young Bucks on the way out and basically tells them he's done and they have a choice to make. Are they with him or are they not? And he gets in a car and drives away. So um, I'm... 99% certain my prediction uh, on Hangman uh, on Hangman Page not being the one who turned that Omega's the one who turned is true, but I'm not so 100% sure whether it's the Young Bucks who are also turning or whether they're going to stay try to stay face for a while. Neither turn would be bad. But I mean, I, I don't mind the Young Bucks as a, as a face like you do. Um, because they're spot monkeys, so it just makes more sense to have them be faces. I, I think watch their match on All Out if you get a chance to and see what they can do as cold-hearted wrestlers. Um, and think. My thing is, I don't hate them as faces. I'm just tired of it. In, in the end, wrestling is cyclical, right? You start off as faces, and then you turn to heels, and then you turn to faces again. And they've had over a year now of being faces in this company. It's a great time for a heel turn. In my opinion. And honestly, they're still really awesome. Even when they are slightly turning heel, they still do all their same moves. Mm-hmm. They're still really exciting. So I don't care. Heal their face. Just give me some young buck action. I'm, I'm good to go. You know, them being heel would be kind of nice for a change. They've been faced this whole time. Let's switch exactly. it up a bit. That's my point. And the thing is, with, with them as heels, uh, it, they used to come in and just absolutely destroy entire teams with super kick party. Um, and and that's something and that's something you can't do as faces. Uh, you know, have them come in and and just continue to super kick people until they're dead. You know, but right. But I can see either way. I I am not still one hundred percent certain that they're turning heel, but I am 
100%. And I don't think so, just for the fact that they didn't leave with Omega. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Omega is most certainly turning heel. Yeah. And they just said, no, we're not leaving with you. Which, one, I don't know why they just didn't leave with him. It's well, not like um, they're buddy with he, But he, in the end, said, think about it. So, mm. he didn't give them the ultimatum, come with me or not. He said, think about it. Um, and then he left. But So, they still have a chance. But they're obviously waffling on it. Um, and and that's fine. If they want to stay faces, that's fine. I'm 100% down for heel Kenny Omega one way or another. So, oh. well, and that I mean that does open the door for FTR and uh, and uh, uh, Cody to still be face, you know, and have a face for Horseman. Mm-hmm. It also opens the. I mean, we've said this before. Just because you're both heel doesn't mean you have to get along with each other, right? So you yeah, can have. Heel, no? Yeah, FTR's more or less been acting heel, so... But that's the deal. You can have heel Young Bucks and heel FTR, and it'd still be fine. Yeah, bad guys don't have to get along. Um, but, I but I mean, we, we've we come to the conclusion that we think it's going to be Cody and um, uh, Sean Spears and FTR, right? <laughs> there was I a lot of talk about the belief. There was a lot of talk about that. There were a lot of people who thought it was going to be Sean Spears' hangman and FTR, but they were expecting that to be based on Hangman turning here, um, because uh, FTR have been heels and Sean Spears is definitely, so if it's Cody or Hangman or whoever who joins them, it's at the moment, they're probably going to be heel. Um, I think I, just I think, don't think you can, I don't think you can just put the elite together minus Hangman and call it the Four Horsemen. Like, I don't I, think I, just don't think, I don't think they're putting the elite together. But it's not the elite together. I think the elite are going to be a separate heel Fashion. team, and yeah. uh, but I don't think Cody is going to be part of the heel elite. I think Cody may be part of uh, the new Four Horsemen, um, or maybe just his own thing. Right? Um, I my big it's thing is Nightmare Collective. Nightmare family, whatever. Yeah, you kind of have that. Um, they Cody tweeted out a um, image of his Nightmare family tattoo, but now it's filled in in blood red and dripping blood, uh, hinting at a heel turn from him when he comes back. But here's the deal. Is I think this was really smart on AEW's part because they, they've been building up this potential Hangman Page heel turn for months, and instead of having him t- turn, everyone around him turns, immediately setting him up as the the company's second biggest babyface, third, Darby, well, and, and maybe he saw Hangman. what was happening, you know? Mm-hmm. Ooh, he understood what was coming. Yep. So, I mean, that, to me, this sets up Hangman Page to be a superstar face for the company. But moving on to another superstar face of the company, we have the Mimosa Mayhem match. Um, a match that I thought would give Jim Cornette a ton of aneurysms, but actually in the end, probably... Really well done. Yeah, it was really well done. It was a really well like, done match. And I like it was how... Yeah, it was a well layout. And, and here's the deal. It was effectively just a regular wrestling match with an extra stipulation to it. That's it. Um, So the rules of the match is on either side of the ring, so facing in from the hard cam on the left and the right side of the ring were two giant vats of mimosa. And the rules were pins and submissions counted. Um, 
no rope breaks, and you could win with pins or submission, or by putting someone's entire body into a mimosa, right? Um, and they made sure, and they, in a way, then kind of um, gave away the ending a bit by by having to make that rule. The entire body has to go in there because that meant through the course of the match, there were multiple times when someone's arm went into the mimosa, but oh, his whole body didn't go in, so he's fine. Um, or at one point, uh, Jericho dunks Orange Cassidy's head into the mimosa, but his whole body didn't go in, so he's still okay. Can they do that in segments? Could they do it in segments? Like everything but the head and then they nope. get out. And... The entire body has to be submerged. Okay. Which which led to the ending. Um, Orange Cassidy hit, I think, three Superman punches, two yeah. of them in a row. It was like a Superman punch and then a couple other moves and then two more Superman punches. And Jerrica goes flying off the middle rope into the pool on one side. Big old splash. People at ringside soaked in mimosa. Chris uh, Chris Jericho loses. Orange Cassidy is the winner. Um, I think this is a perfect example of what Chris Jericho is doing in AEW. He is he understands that his job now is to put over the younger talent. Right. right. We come in on our backs. We go out on our backs. That's the way wrestling works. Right. Um. You come in putting over the established talents. You go out putting over the up-and-coming talent. And and this whole program with Orange Cassidy was obviously Chris Jericho saying, I think Orange Cassidy is, is a face of the company, and I think we need to put him over as a main event talent. And I think they did that with Flying Colors. I don't know how they're going to push him as a main event talent, though. I think, um, well, I think the biggest thing is what they did with these showing that he's not always the jokey sloth care. Every mm. single one of these uh, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho matches, Orange Cassidy has been a man on fire through 90% of the match. And this yeah. was an example. There was not a single point in this match where Orange Cassidy put his hands in his uh pockets and did little baby kick you know he didn't do that gimmick at all he came out and they went at it and they fought and um you know chris jericho hit him with a code breaker and he was able to kick out um just going back and forth uh he hit jericho with a michinoku driver at one point uh jericho put the lion tamer on but orange cassidy was able to grab a cup um and fill it with some mimosa from the side and toss it in Chris Jericho's face to blind him temporarily you know i think in the end this put him up as now is is i say he's main eventer but i'm not saying he's heavyweight championship material and that's the difference you can main event for years and never even try for the champion but still be the main eventer you know and i think this is this is a undertaker undertaker yeah undertaker none of undertaker's biggest feuds were about the belt they had the belt involved in sometimes but his whole character was not based on i'm looking for the belt his whole character was based on i'm looking for revenge right almost all the time yeah pretty much exclusively and sometimes the belt was involved but mostly because I'm looking for revenge on this person who happens to be the champion. 
or I got revenge on that person, so now I happen to be the champion. Um, <laughs> but uh, I do think this is probably now the end of the Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho feud. Uh, we're going to have to move on to something else. I don't see how they can justify another match between them for the time being. So, yeah, I feel like... So it's going to be interesting to see where they go from now. But then moving on, we have the AE Dubs World Championship match. John Moxley versus MJF. And guess what? I spoiled it earlier. Mox wins. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but it's how Mox wins that's important. Hey. So keep in mind that the paradigm shift is banned from this match. So Moxley has to win in some other way, right? Mm. <laughs> or does he? <laughs> uh, so um, the match goes back and forth and they keep doing this thing during it where Moxley um, gets angry and he tries to do the paradigm shift, um, but either remembers oh, I can't do the paradigm shift. Or the referee stops him and says, no, you can't do the paradigm shift. Um, either way, they keep doing this throughout it. But the ending comes. Uh, MJF hits um, Mox with a, with a crossroad and gets a two count. And then while uh, Moxley's trying to recover, Wardlow distracts the referee and tosses the dynamite diamond ring into MJF. Uh, which they've done multiple times before. He tosses the ring in, MJF hits the person with the ring, and then hides the ring and gets the pin and, and wins. But MJF misses the catch on the ring. <laughs> yep. And and is like on his knees trying to grab the ring so he can get it and put it on so he can punch Moxley. And he can't get the ring on in time. Moxley boots him right in the junk and because the referee is distracted by Wardlow, hits him with the paradigm shift <laughs> and then pins him and the referee hears that and turns around and counts the one, two, three. So Moxley wins with the banned paradigm shift by out-healing the heel. Whoop. Which is such a Moxley thing to do anyways, it right? Is, it is so perfect for his character. I love it. Yeah. I am 100% down with this. This whole, hey, this move was banned, but you cheat all the time to win, so I'll cheat to win. I got no problem with that. Uh, I, the problem is, I, I I guess I could say, like, All Out was all rushed, but the last two matches were long for me, so I really have to rewatch this match because I was drifting in and out of sleep, not because the match was boring, but just because I was tired, man. Well, because it went late, we we mentioned earlier this was a this was a longer pay per view. Um, uh, I I think it could have been about 15, 20 minutes shorter, um, and just you know, and I think the easiest ways to have done that would have been a um, maybe move one of the matches, maybe have one less match on the buy in and move the um, battle royal to the buy in. I know I praised the fact that it wasn't on the buy-in, but it would have made sense on the buy-in. Yeah, um, I just thought you were doing that out of tradition, you know, like... Um, and then the other thing would have been, this would have been about 10 to 15 minutes uh, shorter if you would have done what you were supposed to do uh, after Matt Hardy el kabonged himself on the pavement um, and just punt that match and, and move on to the next one. 
you know? I still don't get that whole debacle, though, with we know that Rebby does end up, you know, over-exaggerating things, but uh, Matt says he's going to be in AEW on Dynamite. Um, the other uh, the other one, Khan says he's going to be on Dynamite, but Rebby's like, no way. So, like, I don't know. Is Matt talking to his wife here? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Matt and his wife have a very... Um, interesting relationship, I feel. I feel um, like it's a relationship. Too soon? There have <laughs> been, um, well, I mean, it, there's a legitimate rift right now between Matt and his brother Jeff after uh, things Rebby said um, when Jeff got the DUI a year and a half ago. Um, and, tell. I don't remember this. Um, oh, started all sorts of dirty laundry was being aired. I I don't remember every detail of it, but like first okay. Matt Hardy released a statement saying, "Hey, my brother's going to get help uh, for his problems or whatever," and then Jeff Hardy's wife said, "You don't need to be talking for my brother. You know, he can do his own statement or to for my husband." And then uh, Rebby went all in and. Uh, it was this big battle between the wives going back and forth. And I'm 100% certain that at this point, Matt was just like, no, dude, I did not want this. Um, right. <laughs> but so, uh, Rebby's just always been a little bit extra. Um, and now, again, do I 100% believe that it was worse than Tony Khan was playing it off to be? Yes. Do I also 100% believe it's not as bad as Rebby was playing it off to be? Also, yes. Um, Matt Hardy posted a cameo today for someone um, where he said, you know, they they held me for observation two nights, uh, so I couldn't record this cameo earlier, but I'll be on Dynamite on Wednesday and everything's fine. I'm fine now. You know, and so now I'm going to sing you the uh, broken song from my TNA days. And, um, you know, he doesn't look like someone fighting concussion syndromes. Um, So now, again, he is probably apt to hide the concussion as much as possible. Um, That's going to be his sort of mentality. But I think I think it's a bunch of people trying to um, uh, play with their own agendas and uh cover their own butts mm. um but again i 100 percent believe they should have stopped the match if only for optics right let's say let's say he was 100 percent fine past concussion protocol flying colors all of that stuff still right. shouldn't have restarted the match nope by this point the optics of it were bad so don't do it right uh there's no winning with the fandom by restarting there's no winning with sports medicine experts by restarting there's no winning the pr battle i mean that's what uh tony khan has been battling for the last day and a half now no one's talking about the finish of the moxley versus mjf match because everyone's talking about two things jim ross making a sexist comment and matt hardy finishing a match when he shouldn't and you know what no one else is talking about the Darby Allen freaking body bag uh, yeah. spot. Darby like, Allen body bag with with um, uh, tax in it. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, yeah. man. Dar- Darby Allen in the battle royal got put into the body bag with tax in it, zipped up, and then power bombed out of the ring by Brian Cage. Oh. And like. 
that's and that's the crazy thing and i think the problem is everyone expects these crazy things from darby and it's just like it is what it is and i feel like a lot of people have this undertone of like well darby is not going to be wrestling for the next like he's not this guy is going to be like career concussed in the next five years kind of deal and they suspect him to just do all these things because you hear jr i think it was on his blog or on his podcast him talking about darby like you know he worries for him like he's so concussed prone with all the dangerous maneuvers that he's doing um and this just being one of them, like, first of all, I don't even know how that body bag landed. I don't know if that landed on his side or on his back or just because based on how well, it was. And it was, it's important to note, it was being thrown from inside the ring to the ramp, the stage outside. There's yeah. a step up on the stage there. Um, and so he had to land in a very limited section. Otherwise, his head hits the sharp angle of a step, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, no, there's there's a lot of things. I think people would be talking about that a lot more if it hadn't been in the middle of a 21-man battle royal. Mm, um, probably. Uh, because that, that can overshadow a lot of stuff. It also probably would be something more people talked about if it wasn't right after my, Matt Seidel uh, nearly killed himself on a botched shooting star press. So... Um, uh, by the way, Matt Seidel apparently is just fine. Um, so, you know. I mean, it didn't look like he badly hurt himself or whatever. His head hit the turnbuckle on the way down, but that's a padded turnbuckle. And, uh, so I think he was fine, you know, but it's still worth at least pointing out that he's fine. Um, the sad thing is, this is a pay-per-view where that botched shooting stars press was actually one of the... Less dangerous moves, you know? Mm-hmm. It just, it, I mean, it goes to show why they say don't try this at home. Um, yeah. I mean, I do shooting star presses every night when I go into bed, but that's a different story. <laughs> Mostly because it's a lie. <laughs> I do 20 of them every day just to prove I can. There you go. And by 20 of them, I mean uh, just one of those two numbers in that digit. Um, and it's not the two. <laughs> uh, that was joke and I laughed. Sympathy joke. Sympathy mm-hmm. laughter. Yeah, that's okay. It's late. But all in all, I thought it was a decent pay-per-view. I don't... I thought it might be one of their worst. Yeah, it's it was by far not one of their best. I'm, I'm not going to say, you know, uh, Double or Nothing uh, a couple months ago was definitely better than this. Well, and... And and I I really don't want to say this, but judging from what I'm hearing, not a lot of storyline buildup, with the exception of Orange Cassidy and and Chris Jericho. There, and the young there hasn't been. I mean, COVID kind of. Yeah, COVID. Uh, I I guess I get it with Young Bucks, and I think they were continuing a story there with the Young Bucks and uh, Page and and Omega. Um, so yeah, I guess I should say not that one, but. You know, Britt Baker and Big Swole. Britt Baker has a storyline, but Big Swole was just kind of thrown in over the last four weeks, four or five weeks. Oh. Um, well, they made it a storyline, though. It yeah. just kind of... It was a there weird... was a story being told with MJF, but if you don't get a closure there with Moxley losing, I, I guess... I don't know. It, it, it just... And again, I haven't seen the pay-per-view, but it feels like... 
the only payoff of a storyline that occurred tonight was Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. Am I wrong? Well, no. I mean, I I think I think a lot of this was actually payoff because I think this was the end of the Moxley versus MJF. So yeah. because they're moving on, Ar- Lance Archer, Lance Archer is the next one. Yeah. So. So this was payoff to that. I, I got to be honest, I think so much of this, maybe that's why it felt like it was it was storyline light, is because I think almost all of the matches were, were payoff to storyline, not setting up new storyline, right? The only one that, uh, like, definitely setting up new storyline was Omega turning on Paige. Um, that's setting up a new storyline. Um, but other than that, like, uh, the Thunder Rosa one was just a filler uh because they don't have any women who can show up now apparently um the broken rules match was going to be the finish to that feud whether it is now or not i don't know um but that was going to be the finish of that um the the big swole versus Britt baker was supposed to be the finish of their feud um yeah but their feud didn't really get a build of 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 violence except for the last couple weeks well it it didn't but you keep in mind that their feud well and their feud um was really a feud of necessity because this wasn't the feud that Britt baker was planned to have before her injury that was uh that was added afterward you know she got injured and then they're like oh let's have this this uh this feud i don't know I'm actually going to send you, D.A. Fabe, a video of the Matt Hardy spot so that you can see it and realize. Haven't you even seen it? Oh, it's god awful. No, I haven't. I haven't seen it at all. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Enjoy. Well, you know, and I mean that sarcastically. Um, Yeah, it's messed up. Just a pointless. Anyways. But so, yeah, no, I, I agree with JLB on this. This is by far not not in the the league of previous uh, AEW pay-per-views overall. And I think some of it is, um, I hate to say sloppiness, based on on the the position that they're in. They had to do some, some matches that maybe they wouldn't have done in normal circumstances. Like the Britt Baker versus Big Swole Tooth and Nails cinematic match, they would not have done that as a cinematic match if the COVID situation wasn't happening and Britt Baker hadn't gotten injured, right? Right. Britt Baker would have been in a, in a more traditional wrestling match showing off her skills. Big Swole would have been able to show off her skills more. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, the broken rules match probably wouldn't have gone on this way if um the covid situation hadn't forced them to look into more all arena sort of stuff um so i really think this is an example of them straying too much from wrestling at times and get biting them in the butt um the mimosa mayhem match was better than it should have been mostly because the oh. mimosa part of it was just kind of an added wrinkle, not a whole gimmick part to it. You know, um, like I said, I could totally see Jim Cornette watching that and being like, "Ah, this is an okay match." You know, mm-hmm. Be- because it was Definitely a an aneurysm. That's for sure. Yeah, he didn't have an aneurysm during that because it was it was 
it was the equivalent of like um a a scaffolds match you know it's a regular wrestling match that happened to have a slight extra wrinkle on it and yeah, Jim Cornette's you... totally down with it. Oof. don't you only wrestle it, sorry oh right yeah it's it's bad and then look at match eyes afterwards it's like what the hell bro it's yeah. and you're right she calls for the axe right away yeah wow and a lot of people on twitter were kind of like oh i don't like them using the x as a as a yeah. gimmick I'm like yo they weren't though like that I was like they were there there is a theory going around through some people that this is all a work um and those people are saying that you know they're like oh i watch it again and again i it looks to me like uh, Sammy Guevara cradles his head in his arm on the way down so his head doesn't actually hit um, and then Ref Aubrey puts up the X as, as just a, a red herring to make it look like a real injury there is no way they p- planned that yeah. to go uh, that way that early? like it didn't make any sense there's no way like you wouldn't have ended a match like that because nothing legitimately happened afterwards no you know what I mean? It wouldn't have made any sense. If they, if they were doing this as an injury spot for controversy, they would have done a lot more before this spot. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I'm 100% certain wow. this was legitimate. Anyway, but so, uh, like I say, it still wasn't a bad pay-per-view, but it wasn't up to the level that I think we expect from AEW I, now. I think it's the worst AEW pay-per-view they've done. I'm willing to go that far because they've only done what let's say nine so saying it's the worst AEW pay-per-view is not necessarily a bad thing because they've done a lot of all a lot of good ones but I I would say this is probably the most lackluster of the nine that they have done let's say lackluster that's a big word for the guy from up north what do you mean Lackluster. I feel like I feel like that word is in English, and you don't speak English, so. Oh, oh okay. Sorry. Uh, wait, you guys speak America, so uh, it's not really English. It's just uh, we're not getting into this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I... like we kind of need to. I feel like we haven't done it yet. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll, 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 it'll it'll be the America. It will be the North versus South. Uh, episode of WBU that shall be very interesting. Yeah, I nope. don't know. I, nope. I, you know, you say it's the worst of them. I just remember Fight for the Fallen last year. Um, Golly, you're rough. That wasn't a bad pay per view. Yeah. Fight for pay-per-view. the Fallen. Mm, I, Ooh. I think pretty much everyone now. Fight for the Fallen this year, the two week non pay per view. Um, but just... remember, Fight for the Fallen last year took place a week after Fighter Fest. And so there was basically no build for it. Um, it was a week, I don't know, two weeks after, something like that. What were the um, matches for uh, Fight for the Fallen then last year? Because maybe I'm just not, but I don't remember. Bad. Fight for the Fallen. Let me pull up the whole thing. Because it was one, like, keep in mind, Fight for the Fallen was before we had any real storylines because they didn't have any TV yet. So it was just like, hey, we had Fighter Fest. Now we're going to have Fight for the Fallen. Um, now, and now we're going to have this. So the buy-in had Sunny Kiss versus Peter Avalon. B. Priestley and Shoko Nakajima versus Britt Baker and Riho. Um, we had MJF, Sammy Guevara, and Sean Spears versus Darby Allen, Jimmy Havoc, and Joey Janela. Brandy Rhodes versus Ali. This was when Awesome Kong was with Brandy. Right. Um, the Dark Order, 
pre-everything Dark Order does, when we were still saying how horrible they were, versus Angelico and Jack Evans before they had come up with the TH2 name, and A Boy and His Dinosaur before they added Marco Stunt to it and became Jurassic Express. Um, Adam Page versus Kip Sabian before they realized Adam Page is a main eventer. Uh, Lucha Whoa, Brothers. Hold up. He was he was in the original conversation for the title. Yeah, on their first pay per view. On uh, their first major pay per view after their uh, television deal started, right? Yeah. Which is oh, so this is, was, this is no, this is like twenty nine. Yeah, but this is still before uh, fight fight for the falling. That this is Fight for the Fallen. This was after Fighter Fest, but it was before All Out, so there was not a champion. Now, at the end of this, uh, Adam Page is announced to be the person at All Out uh, going against. Uh, but at the time, he was he was put in a match against Kip Sabian, who at the time nobody knew who he was. Again, um, that's true because at the buy-in or whatever the what is it called? Uh, Jesus. Um, not all out, but at the the one with the, where they originally did the casino uh, battle royale. At, was it double all out? Up. No, double enough. Double. So double or nothing. That was their technically their first pay per view, and that's when he won the. That's when he won that actual match uh, yeah. to face the champion. So that was way before Fighter Fest. Before yes, Fighter but Fighter. but again, I'm, my point still being they put him in a match versus Kip Sabian instead of in a main event match. That's my point with this. He's, they're like him. Yeah, but that's because he already had his main event match. I think he had it the next, the following, uh, the following pay-per-view that they had. He already technically dealt with his, he just didn't win it, but that's when Jericho won, essentially. I think, I think we're arguing over splitting hairs on this. My point is they have a person who should have been in one of the main events of this pay-per-view, and they put him in a throwaway match early in the night versus Kip Sabian. That was my whole point with it. Um, The fifth match, that was the fourth match of the night, right? Kind of buried in between a tag team match and another tag team match. Um, this one was uh, the Lucha Brothers, Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix, who now apparently have to go by Penta L0M and uh, Ray Phoenix instead of uh, Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix because of copyright issues. Anyways, um, versus SCU back when they were still a like, tag team with each other um, in a non-title match for the AAA World Tag Team Championships, but non-title. Um, Kenny Omega versus SEMA. I remember watching that match. I thought that match was pretty decent. Yeah, Seema's no longer with the company. <laughs> well, I, I think technically he's with the company, but he's can't be here. Anyways, uh, Chris Jericho doesn't even wrestle. Um, he shows up to hit Hangman Page with something earlier, but then he just cuts a promo and fucks off. Um, and then the Young Bucks versus uh, Cody and Dustin. Oh, that was a good match, too. That was a good match, but I I would probably argue as a whole, Fight for the Fallen was more disappointing than All Out. So I would put Fight for the Fallen below this, but I'm not putting it far below this. Right. Um, I'm not saying this was a great pay-per-view by any means. I'm just saying I disagree with saying it's the worst. So um, that's that's my argument. You're wrong. I don't know. I haven't seen this one, so I can't tell you whether or not this is the worst. Oh, let's see. Where's the mute button? <laughs> Here, I'll do it. I got it. 
<laughs> he's muted himself. Boom. Uh, now so, that he's gone, let's talk smack about him. Anyways, so so here's the deal: is like if if I were to give Fight for the Fallen an F, which I I don't think it was an F pay per view, but for argument's sake, let's say that's an F being the worst pay per view of all AEW. This thing was I don't know maybe a D minus. You know what I mean? Um, it it wasn't up there with any of the best pay-per-views of AEW. It actually probably uh, isn't up there with with some of the recent WWE pay-per-views. Um, yeah. But some of the other WWE pay-per-views have been horseshit, <laughs> so it is above them. Um, money in the bank. Yeah. Wow. So so wait, hold on. You guys interrupted me walking through a hand-built castle in Colorado with dozens of messages to each other about a crappy pay-per-view? Um, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's crappy. I didn't think Fight for the Fallen was crappy. I just think it wasn't as good as this one. And to be fair, we were also probably marking on Matt Seidel and, um, yeah, you were. the Matt Hardy thing, and um, yeah, I think that's really, pr- I think really the Matt Hardy thing was the majority of it. Like, yo, did we get any more news on Matt Hardy? Da 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 is there any update like i honestly think man because the fact that that got me so interested i was literally checking all the people if there was any more updates i'm like man what if this is a work like genius because it got me so interested Mm. but his eyes man his eyes messed me up like that looked like the guy was out of it like even as he threw sammy Guevara off of the uh, thingamajigger it just looked like he was still out of it he didn't know where he was and yeah. I I will also point out that a whole lot of our messages while you were in the castle in Colorado were actually not about AEW at all. Um, because we had a whole thing about Starcade uh, 89 because um, yeah, we were right. supposed to be <laughs> watching that. Um, yeah. And then yeah, we're a- doing that soon, aren't we? Huh? Yep. Yeah. Yep. They'll be recording that soon. Somebody better watch it. Um, <laughs> Instead of going to Colorado. And, and and I'm not pointing fingers because um, when you point a finger, three more point back at you. So, so several um, somebody's better, better watch is what you're saying. I'm about halfway through it. Thank you very much. Um, but uh, I got but, through the first entrances. <laughs> uh, and and then um, so we were talking about woman and Kevin Sullivan and all of that. And then um, I was at um, Target and I saw a Greg the Hammer Valentine WWE action figure. So I had to uh, send you guys a message saying Greg the Hatchet Face Valentine. Um, yep. So there was that. God, I just don't understand your, your obsession with hatchet shaming. Hey, dude. <laughs> If the hatchet looks half as good as Greg the Hammer Valentine, it's a good-looking hatchet. That's still a bad-looking person. But and to be fair, you're not going to be point. No, but it just looked. It was the face was really horrid. Like, yeah, it was really badly done. I'm not paying eighteen dollars for a shitty carved face. Like, now, what I what I didn't send you, I took a picture of it and forgot to send it to you guys. Um, at that same. Um, uh, Walmart, they also had a Bobby the Brain Heenan action figure that I very, very nearly bought because it's Bobby the Brain Heenan in weasel costume. Uh, 
Nice. Everybody loves the brains. The weasel. Anyways, but that's a side tangent that we didn't need to go on today. So <laughs> I think I think it's late and someone had to drive back from Colorado today. And uh, we were already recording this later than we normally do. So I think we will probably try to wrap this up now. Yeah, mm-hmm. so this is AEW... Uh, uh, All AW. out 2020. No, oh, wait. I thought we were going to do some of the other stuff from WBUs, but that's actually. No, I'm just playing. Um, yeah, I'm well aware of what we're doing here. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah, not really. Not entirely. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> but so, as I always say, make sure to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Um, every platform you can possibly listen to it on, there's going to be some sort of button that makes sure that you get notified when we post new episodes. Often they'll automatically download it and get it all ready for you too. Uh, you can, uh, of course, share it, which is the cheapest and easiest way to support this podcast, but just letting other people know about it. Click in that share button and send out a tweet or a TikTok or whatever about it. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. Follow me at Raw and Order WBU. That's also my TikTok handle. So you can see my stupid videos on TikTok. Um, you can follow DA Fabe at DA Vincent K Fabe. And I don't do TikTok because um, so he does Twitter. Because I'm old. Yeah, I, I don't really do Twitter, but I have one. Yep. I have it. And then you can follow JLB at JLB420. Real Talk Radio is Zbrand. That's at Real Talk Radio 8. Anchor.fm slash RTR. The Big Brother Week 4 recap is coming up tomorrow. So look at if uh, you're D.A. Fabe and don't like Big Brother, there's certainly other things that you can listen to. Dude, um, that wasn't me! <laughs> uh, you see you see what happens when you hate too much time, D.A. Fabe? You just automatically think it's you. That's your fault, so I'm blaming you for being... I mean, if I'm going to make most... fun of you for something, I'm going to make fun of you for being Canadian. Oh, Jesus. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Realtalkradio.online, because .com and .ca is so bland and boring, like D.A. Fabe's jokes sometimes. <sighs> you can also uh, head on over to shop.spreadshirt.com slash raw and order WBU to buy some of our merch. Or you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash raw and order WBU. Um, that is where we will be posting, uh, once we get it all watched and then recorded, the uh, classic wrestling review where we talk about WCW Starcade 89. It is the um, Iron Man tournament and Iron Tag Team tournament one. I think uh, it's is it the future or something, the future shock. Future Shock, yeah. Future Shock, they kept saying. It makes yeah. no sense, but it uh, was a cool word that they figured out. So, Future Shock. Which, uh, by the way, probably, they, they, our fans, we love them dearly. They probably picked the worst pay-per-view for us to do. Because, boy, was I reading reviews. And uh, I think that's why they probably picked it. Because, uh, yeah, it apparently wasn't very well received for anybody. And this is the last time they did a Future Shock. So, it shall be a very interesting uh, reviewed at the least. There's tons of, of things online that say this is one of the best of all time. Mm. All right, then explain to me why they never did another Future Shock. Because your uh-huh. face. Because of I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. Again, I went on vacation and it was fantastic. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't gone on a vacation in years. Yeah. I, your, your brain always seems to be on vacation. <laughs> I gotta be honest, probably the biggest reason they didn't do another one of these um, was probably just the fact that this relied so much on everyone, a small, a small group of people uh, wrestling multiple matches in one night. Um, because that's the whole deal, is it? it's a four-team tag tournament, round robin, and then a four-person match tournament, round robin, to eventually crown winners. And so all four of the tag teams and all four of the singles wrestlers had to wrestle four times each. Um, but anyway, three, three times each, three times each. Well, and then there was, there was some sort of match at the end to decide the winner. So anyway, but beside the point, um, we will be the review on that and we will, uh, get that up and I don't know, you'll have to go to patreon.com slash Ron order WBU. If you want to listen to it, we'll put some sort of a preview up here, but you're not going to get to see all of it here. So, Mm-mm. Uh-uh. But otherwise, uh, we will say thanks for listening. We're going to wrap the book on this and, and wrap it up. And we'll see you soon with a visit from the FBI. Ciao. Bye.